Aloha and welcome to Elevating Motherhood. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Lori Beth Aldridge. I've taken my passion for conversation, perspective, and supporting moms and turned it into a podcast. My goal is to talk openly about motherhood, offer new ideas, and help moms find their confidence in this busy and sometimes overwhelming world we live in. We're going to dive deep, open up, and elevate motherhood. Thanks for being here with me. Let's get started. Thanks to Branch Basics for supporting today's episode of Elevating Motherhood. Branch Basics is an educational company that offers non-toxic, simple-to-use cleaning solutions for your home using one powerful plant and mineral-based cleaning concentrate. You can literally use their one concentrate to clean everything from bathrooms and windows to floors and laundry. I even use it to clean my makeup brushes. Simply dilute their safe, effective cleaner into their refillable bottles. The instructions are right on the label. Branch Basics has been an amazing addition to our home. I'm always looking for ways to reduce my family's toxic burden, and Branch Basics fits the bill. Plus, their goals align with mine, to make cleaning sustainable, affordable, and simple, all without the use of GMOs or animal testing. Head over to elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash branch basics for my personal review of their products. That's elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash branch basics. I'm going to have to ask you guys to pardon my intro voice. I don't sound like this for the whole episode, just the intro here. We were on the mainland visiting family and I got a little sick and my voice is compromised. But like I said, it's just for the intro and I know I'm supposed to be resting my voice in order to get it back, but I'll tell you that's extra challenging as a podcast host and a mom to three young children. But I'll try my best so that by next Wednesday's episode, hopefully my my intro will not be compromised and I'll be back to normal. But I'm super excited about this episode. As many of you know, I'm big into alternative education options. We personally homeschool our three children, but I know that that's not the best option for every family. The good news is there are so many options when it comes to our children's education and what works for one child or one family might not work for another. And that's okay. Options do exist. We don't often hear about all of our options, but today we're going to shift that a little with our guest, Austin Reese. She is here to share her family's alternative education journey with us. Have you ever heard of self-directed education or Sudbury schools or a democratic school? I thought I knew a little about the self-directed part, but Austin's story really opened my eyes to a whole new approach that I can see working really well for a lot of kids. This episode is going to stretch your mind, heart, and imagination. It shifted my already alternative view of education. Austin Reese is an international board certified lactation consultant and licensed massage therapist who specializes in infant craniosacral therapy. She is also the creator of Nourish and Align, which I'll link to in the show notes. One of Austin's favorite pastimes is facilitating introspective and integral retreats for women and birth professionals. 
She is the mother to four children, Bella, 16, Declan, 14, Henry, 12, and Maggie, 6, and is married to her college sweetheart, Brad. She and Brad both decided early in their parenting journey to educate their children at home. After homeschooling with various curriculums, they began researching self-directed education and the Sudbury School model. When Brad retired from the military in 2015, they chose to move to Baltimore, Maryland. They picked that city because it was close to the Sudbury School Arts and Ideas. So after seven years of homeschooling, they enrolled their children in a democratic school based in self-directed education where they have all been thriving ever since. Austin and Brad's commitment to their children's education is inspiring, but that's only one of the takeaways from this episode. I'm actually really stuck on this idea of stop, pause, and care that Austin mentions partway through the recording, and I'd love to hear what your takeaways are from that message and today's show. So after this episode, I would invite you to hop over to my Instagram at Lori Beth Aldridge or the website elevatingmotherhood.com to share your thoughts on this type of education. I can't wait to continue the conversation with you. Here's Austin. Austin, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Lori Beth. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I am super stoked Mm -hmm. to talk about this with you because I think that your education journey is just absolutely fascinating. And so I'd love to just jump right in. And can you please share with us more about Arts and Ideas, the school that your children go to? Is it a brick and mortar? Is it online, in person? Yes, yes. So Arts and Ideas... Um, is a um, established school in Baltimore, Maryland. We moved to Maryland so my children could attend this type of school. Um, I started researching Sudbury schools for about four years before we moved here and um, really came because it was established and it had been around for a while. So it has been around for over 10 years. Um, It is an in-person school, so no online attachments to it, even though some students may um, take online classes, um, but the school itself is um, run from eight in the morning until six at night, and students um, are to be there for uh, a total of five hours for a full day and can come to school between eight, 15, and 11, and can be picked up anytime um, from three to just about six. Wow, that is actually more alternative than I had um, originally yeah. imagined. I did not know that scheduling detail, but I mean, that is self-directed learning to the nth degree. Yes, it was nice to kind of flow into that pattern coming from, um, you know, keeping the children at home and really with that um, great benefit of kind of making our own schedule. And so it did work very uh, nice for us to kind of enter into this type of school as their first type of school where we had a little bit of flexibility as to when we come in and when we go out. Of course, now I get texts during the day where they're like, can you please come and try to pick us up as late as you possibly can? Um, Oh, wow. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, before we get into more about what self-directed education means, I'd actually love to know more about the Sudbury school system. You know, if you could share some history or some insights into that philosophy for us. Sure. 
Sure, sure. So our school is based um, uh, a lot on the Sudbury uh, principles and the model. Um, it started from the Sudbury Valley School, which is in Framingham, Massachusetts, and it has been around for over 50 years. Um, another school that is um, somewhat similar is a boarding school in the UK called Summer Hill, and it was founded in 1921. So these models have been around and are trusted. And right now there's about 10 other countries that have Sudbury schools. And we have um, this type of school in about 20 states in the U.S. right now. Um, it is founded on the principle that the uh, children who attend ages 5 to 18, uh, we call them uh, school meeting members, not students, but mm. that they are responsible for their day. They are responsible for their you know, education, how they spend their day. It is run um, by a democratic um, committee uh, and each um, school meeting member ages five to 18 and the staff have one equal vote on what goes on in the school. Wow. Yeah, you were saying that their whole um, philosophy, We when we talked before about this, because it's just so fascinating to me, mm -hmm. um, that the school, yeah, believes that they should kind of morph to the child and not the child to the school. Yes, yeah. So the, It's just fascinating. I am just, I'm not over that. <laughs> I think it's it, going to take me a while to process that. I love it. I think the simple way that I try to share with different parents, I adore going to open houses and being able to answer questions based um from a parent's point of view, and my children love attending too, so they can answer questions too. Because um, again, as I had shared, I took four years really digging in to learning about this philosophy before we packed up and moved, you know, towards a um, school that had this um, for them. We even tried to get one started where I lived in Virginia at the moment, and that's a lot of work. Um, but what I had learned from um, doing unschooling. Um, before starting with the self-directed education was trust, mm -hmm. which is really hard to trust um, our children. I mean, I wasn't trusted to determine what I wanted to learn when I was growing up. Um, and being able to kind of um, let go and watch that my children are picking up what they need for themselves because they have this self-directed um, um, energy of figuring things out and learning what they need um, to get through in their day, um, to pursue their interest, and um, and eventually for what they're going to do when they leave this type of environment. They have to have all the things that they need for themselves. So it's kind of sticks a little bit more when we, you know, start to focus on the things that we want to learn and to absorb, you know, instead of the things that somebody else thinks that we need to. Um, to learn it's a little bit more self-imposed right um gosh all the things <laughs> does my, my mind just explodes with ideas and my heart too you know especially with us on um, my family's homeschool journey i i would agree with that wholeheartedly that trusting point uh, once i started to do that more our whole schooling changed you know, I could sit my now six-year-old down and say, you know, I need you to write your name here, you know, but if she's not really motivated to do it um, <laughs> and not at a laziness, it's just not, she, she was wanting to learn about um, comets and outer mm -hmm. space. And I was like, well, let's just put your name at the top of this page first. Why? 
Like, why was I asking her to do that? Because that's what you do in a brick and mortar school, like a public school, you know, so that the teacher can keep track of the papers. I clearly know whose paper that is. And she's really good at writing her name, but she's not good at writing her name when she's being forced to write her name. So I loved it. One day she was super motivated to do it and mark one of her books, her space book. And, <laughs> and she really wanted to draw and are just did all the mediums, you know, stickers and crayons and pens and pencils and all the things and brought it together. And it was beautiful. And then the one day I asked her to do it, um, her, she scrawled her name in her book in just such an angry fashion with a red crayon. It was comical, right? Because I know what she's capable of, but I was, I was imposing just when, when I, and when I did an analysis of it, a self analysis of it, I was like, you know, what happened here? Is it her being disrespectful and not following directions? No, not at all. It's me imposing upon her something ridiculous that is unnecessary at a moment when she was much more inspired to do something else. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. following her and tailoring it to her, she's going to get so much more out of that space lesson than an eye rolling, eye roll worthy, you know, here, practice your name session. Right. Right. (laughs) Oh, it's just, it's fascinating to me. And I also think that it's amazing that there's one in Germany you know, the Waldorf schools come out of that area. And yet homeschooling is illegal in Germany. Right. That's right. And then they have schools like this. And so it's just, it's such an interesting, um, from an outside perspective, it's interesting to see so much inspiration and then lack the, the lack in the homeschooling. I just, I don't know. It blows my mind and fascinates me and I can't wait to see what else comes out of that country. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I, if I am correct, there may be a lot of um, that it's not smoothly going over in all countries, um, mm. but, they, but they do have established ones um, and how they're running. Um, and I enjoyed one of the things I did when I was looking at this model was um, there was somebody who did a little short documentary and went all over like to um, Israel and I want to say Australia and the U.S. and just went and asked, um, interviewed uh, staff members, um, children who attended the school, parents and graduates, and just asked them a lot of questions, you know, how they chose, what they did, what they do now. And I really appreciated that point of view um, from all over the world. And everybody was, you know, thriving all over the world. Mm. Right. In all kinds of different cultures. It's just Mm -hmm. fascinating to me. This is so interesting. Um, Would you mind telling us some more about self-directed education? You know, what really break it down for us and what that means exactly. And with your experience with homeschooling and unschooling, would you call it Mm -hmm. the same thing as unschooling? Is it um, comparable or not? I would think so. I think self-directed education is more self-guided activities and life experiences and is the opposite of um, traditional imposed schooling, uh, which is forced upon individuals, um, you know, regardless if they desire it. Uh, and children can attend self-directed education-based schools, or this is something, you know, I think that they can practice home with family. Um, unschooling, I believe, is a form of education that's outside of a school, um, and the student, you know, their education is not directed by a teacher or a curriculum, uh, but, you know, just kind of following you know, what their interests are. And, you know, I think with self-directed education, it's not just, you know, kind of floating through the world. It's, 
you know, picking the classes that you want to take, um, looking at online courses, looking at, um, uh, we have the ability at our school to go to, you know, the older students will find a community college and um, take classes mm-hmm. there or, you know, or, or create something within the school um, or, you know, ask uh, one of the staff members, this is rare, but, you know, to teach, you know, a math class or a group. But a lot of times it's a lot of the students are school meeting members where they just kind of gather and uh, either, you know, create an organization, a club or um, a uh, corporation that they can really dive into something and create something and do it that way. And it's not something that they can just look at a list and pick what they want to do. They have to kind of come up with it themselves, which Mm. when you have to do all of that legwork, you're really, you know, committing to something, you're putting your, you know, the effort out to find the other people who do it. And right, it, you're invested. it more. Yes. Mm-hmm. Invested. That's really it. Mm-hmm. Wow. So this sounds really progressive, <laughs> like <laughs> mind blowingly progressive, I'm sure for a lot of people who are hearing this for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and in the same token, it's not an a with, with like what you were describing with the community college classes, it's not an abandonment totally of, you know, a tr- more traditional classroom setting, but then students could opt to take those types of classes if that is what they were truly interested in. Correct. Yes. I think that you really made a good point that it's not um, void of of classroom, you know, instruction, if they choose to, you know, join a different class, it's that they really find the things that they're interested in and pursue those. Um, and it's not just a, we're not anti-education, we're not anti-reading or math. It's the way that we bring this into, um, into our lives, you know, all saying, you know, all across the world, people do know about this form of learning, but we really all do because no one went to school to learn to walk. Um, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, naturally normally developing infants, you know, learn and have those steps, they figure it out and we work with them, but you know, no one got up and, you know, demonstrated <laughs> in front of a group. It's innate and it's innate for everybody to learn and want to be part of their community and to thrive. And, um, it's, this is just a shift where, um, things are, there's no agenda. There's no adult agenda at the school, which I really appreciate. Um, yeah. They are there to support and to hold space and to be a resource, you know, for things that, that the, um, the children want or need, but it's not, you know, children can tell when um, people are manipulating <laughs> or, or oh, have yeah, an agenda. Sure. <laughs> and our staff also at the end of the year, they come up for, um, you know, rehiring, you know, they, you know, give a little speech as to why they feel as if they are a benefit to the school, you know, when has tenure, it's the, you know, all of the uh, members of the school vote for um, whether or not that the staff stays in their roles. That's fascinating. Wow. And they also hire, I mean, at the, the whole hiring committee for the last two staff members was led all the emails, all the interviews, everything was done 
um, by a committee and it was made up of, of children. That's amazing. Um, wow. Yeah. Cause they've got, they've got BS meters for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're sort of fully functioning. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, what do you say to people who who ask you? So, what about math? What about reading? What about Common Core standards? What about college? Yeah, What's your answer yeah. for for that kind of pushback? Well, um, I a lot of people are starting to meet my children, and so they can see that they, you know, you know, look them in the eye. They can answer all these questions for them. Um, it was harder when we were moving and doing this ourselves. And, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm in it, I'm committed, it's going to happen. And, you know, all of my children, um, my three older ones can read, can do math. Um, my youngest is writing and adding and subtracting and has never taken a class on it. Mm-hmm. But what we do is a lot of, um, of life situations. So we have um, at the school, they have on Fridays, they do hot lunch Fridays. So a group um, come together and they decide, you know, what they want to make. And they have a sign up. And so say 30 children are, you know, sign up to have hot lunch and they're going to make tacos. Well, how much ground beef do we need um, to feed 30 people? Um, They have to figure it out. It's not a worksheet math question that yeah. if you had a picnic and you had to have hot dogs and two for each person, th- this is real life experience. Right. They um, have to determine how, you know, if they have a box mix of something and they have to double it yeah. or you know, what do you do? How do you, um, you know, work through the day? The things that we learn from our foundation of, you know, dribbling math facts each year. Um, you know, I went to a traditional school. My husband went to a traditional school. Um, those math facts, you know, were just kind of dribbled each year for us here. They just get it all at once, you know, mm-hmm. when they need it. Um, they know they go to the store, they buy all the ingredients then they make it, they give it out, they clean it up, they take in the money, they have to make change, you know, all of those things they're learning by doing. Right. Um, you know, younger kids, you know, they'll have a sign up for um, maybe a, a field trip you know, to a movie. And so they'll have that up on the wall. And a younger kid wants to know, well, why are all these people, you know, putting their name up? Um, and they know that they need to know, or they want to know the information that's on that page, or they want to communicate on a um, computer game um, with, you know, the, the people that they're talking to and communicating with. And so, or they need to learn the rules of a game and it's online. And so when they find things that they need to know, mm-hmm. you know, they naturally are learning reading skills and math skills and, um, and what they need to uh, be part of that uh, experience. Right. The intrinsic motivation for learning or just the fun of it. Mm-hmm. But this sounds like next level and not just, I mean, to me, sitting around making tacos with my friends and yeah, sure. Being <laughs> responsible for all the information too. It just sounds like so much fun. Um, just mm-hmm. last night before we were going to bed, um, the kids got a play menu for Christmas, this awesome Melissa and Doug restaurant set that I wish that I had when I was a kid. <laughs> it is so fun. And they've got this diner menu and the kids each chose what it is they wanted. And then I said, okay, and how much does it cost? We've never gone over money 
like sat down and done worksheets. We'd never done all of this stuff, but they recognized the numbers at the beginning. And so I said, how much does this cost? And they figured it out. Well, the, the mac and cheese costs two dollars you know the bacon costs two dollars the fried egg costs one dollar which is what they all chose <laughs> by the yeah. way and it's just funny for me it's entertaining for me to watch their personalities come out like this and then I said okay so if I were going to write you a check for your for how much your meal costs how what would it be and so they added it all up on their own and they came up with the answer they remembered it this morning they told their dad all about it and then we started talking about tips and they're like well what's a tip you know, and that now they're just like, oh, <laughs> there's not oh. only this like concrete math model that they're interested and motivated to learn more about because they want to have a real life restaurant and they want to make real life money <laughs> and they're, we're restricting them with their toys. <laughs> you know, they want to take this mm -hmm. next level. Um, now they're, they're just fascinated by this whole idea of I can decide how much money to leave above right. what is due and they just they're they love it so they're so motivated in those moments to learn more without me shoving it at them and i i see the magic of that model every day in our homeschool and i can just it sounds so powerful that it's not just parents and children but then a whole group of them too getting together and do that i just i am yeah. completely smitten with this idea <laughs> yeah yeah well, i i enjoyed it i i started this through homeschooling and finding homeschooling groups and being with other families who, you know, supported and were following homeschooling and unschooling um, where uh, there was not a set curriculum um, and things that we did every day. We just kind of followed what the children were interested in. And we would go to those museums or we would get those books type of thing. Mm -hmm. And oh goodness, we would all get together at the park and we'd be like, oh my gosh, what is your child doing? Are you think, are we doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. You know? And I, I was talking to another friend who went through this with me. Her children actually attend a self-directed school in Virginia. And we were saying how, oh, I wish we could see where we are now and how wonderfully adapted <laughs> our children are um, so that our younger self, you know, when we were starting to do this, you know, who was doubting it, we now see and, you know, are reaping the benefits of following them and trusting them. Yes. The trust is, and then when you do see the results, oh my gosh, it is so beautiful. This way of learning is so beautiful. And the, the way that it sticks within them and just becomes part of them and it's information that's not forgotten. It's not, they're not taking things off of a to-do list. They are, unless they wrote it themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it's just so fascinating and marvelous to see. And I know that it's a stretch for a lot of people who aren't familiar with this form of education mm -hmm. or the idea of self-directed education. It just seems to go against a lot of what we've been taught education should be like. So I also do want to point out that you know, this whole conversation or even this way of schooling or even homeschooling in general isn't a commentary on other types of education. Like the, it's not a, to me, it's not a commentary on other people's choices, I guess is what I'm saying, because I do know that a bunch of listeners, you know, don't homeschool or, you know, don't choose alternative schools, but you know, this is just one way of doing it. And, you know, you guys with your commitment to moving, to be close to one of these schools and our commitment to completely redesign and rearrange our life so that we could homeschool. 
you know, we just, we prioritize that. And, and that's not to say that other people don't prioritize education. People prioritize whatever it is that they can or want to. And, you know, um, I really try to walk the line of never offending anybody, but I do want people to know that there are options like this out here. And just because they're different, they aren't a commentary and they also are beautiful at the same time. I did not know about this type of school until I heard an interview on NPR. And one of my friends said, hey, I think you'd be interested, you know, and this sounds like the things that we would sit and talk about when we would be at homeschooling park days on, oh, if we could just have a community, you know, um, my house is not run democratically. (laughs) Uh, So, but I would love my children to be, you know, more with other peers and be able to have that opportunity where they could also, you know, learn and explore and do what they want without, um, I lived in Northern Virginia where traffic is pretty intense and I had three children at the time who had different, you know, interest and, mm-hmm. you know, I could just couldn't drive around the whole, um, you know, every day bringing them to the things that they were interested in. And this was an opportunity for me to find what I was looking for was a place where I could send them and then they could explore and do that in with other peers too. I think that's awesome. And I just also want to drive the point home that this is by no means a lazy education or just so open-ended, no one knows what to do. It's actually super demanding of the child to come up with this. (laughs) It it seems like it it would be, but it sounds like they rise to the occasion too. They do. It is harder. It's not an easy school. Um, It's the child has to be motivated to do what they want and they have to be responsible for their whole day. There's nobody saying, you know, at this hour, you're going to go here and there and there. Um, There is structure in the Mm -hmm. school. There's a lot of structure. Uh, There are a lot of rules in the school. Um, The judicial committee meets every day at 1130, I believe. And once a week they have a school meeting um, where they can, you know, um, bring new things to the attention of the school, vote on it, or change rules, or amend rules, or bring new rules to the table. Um, and there's chore time. It's at two thirty, and they do have those things. But and the structure is there. You know, the structure is there when they have play. Um, you know, they say, you know, you're the good guy, you're the bad guy, you're the base. This is you know where the lava is. These are the mountains. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's a lot of things that you know children do automatically. And that's kind of what they have the freedom to do during their day with the same thing is that there are a lot of rules, a lot of self-control, you know, you kind of responsible for where you go, what you do, you know, if you're leaving something out, cleaning it up. Um, It's a lot more than having somebody kind of over you telling you what to do each day or what time you just kind of have to innately start to uh, practice it and see what works for you. I have two kids who are really big at setting uh, timers and they have timers that go off all day, you know, to remind them um, to take out the trash or uh, they definitely have the chore time. (laughs) One that goes off so everybody knows when to go to chore time. Um, I think one of my kids has one that says, you know, breathe and think about the good things of the day. Um, But they do that all on their own. Yeah. Um, They've created book clubs, um, 
my son who's 14, just a whole bunch of his, you know, guy friends got together and they're reading books that I, a lot of 14 year olds are reading like Animal Farm and, um, uh, you know, some things that you have to do with that genre and are talking about it, you know, awesome. for fun. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, there isn't the authoritarian approach being used here, but then I think that in a lot of just life in general, parenting, life philosophies, schooling, all of this, a lot of people confuse the absence of an authoritarian model with permissiveness. Mm -hmm. And I think that this school model is actually the perfect example to show that that isn't the case. You know, you don't have to have the authoritarian um, or the permissive, but there's actually a super self-motivated, self-directed in between as well. There is. Um, a, a lot of parents and a lot of people uh, equate their first thought as to Lord of the Flies. Yes. Which is another <laughs> book that my son is reading with his friends. Awesome. Um, and it's it, because they're in a, a community where everybody is equal. Um and that they don't have a hierarchy, and in or there's nothing to rebel against, or to try to get away with, or um, because it doesn't matter. <laughs> they create these self boundaries, and they want to be part of this community. And you know, maybe they will, you know, you know, break a rule here, or there, just to see what it's like, you know, at the beginning. And that's what the judicial committee comes in and, you know, they talk about it. They use Robert's rules of order. Um, they are able to, you know, communicate what the rule is, you know, what it is like here. And they kind of learn that there's really, they don't really have to push these boundaries because it is a space where they are seen. Well, I would like to highlight the boundary part of all of this because there's so much freedom in boundaries and kids know this and they can actually, it's so powerful for them to come up with their own boundaries too. And with loving guidance, obviously there are adults involved in this whole process and equal rights, equal voice. I mean, that's super powerful for kids, you know, for, and for, and for the, for the individual and for the community. And I just think it's fantastic, but I do have one question because the very first time you ever told me about this, my first thought was, oh, wow, but is immaturity of the children an issue when it comes to this type of system? I wouldn't say it's an issue. I find that it's addressed. Um, you know, again, we have uh, people coming in at age five or coming in from a traditional school um, where, you know, they weren't listened to, you know, they uh, have a chip on their shoulder that they... Um, come in and just kind of are trying to push the boundaries. But our judicial system really kicks in where um, how it is run is that you can fill out a form um, if you have a situation that you would like to ha have addressed and you know, kind of look at what rule may have been broken and you write down, you know, all the people involved and you turn it in. And so at the beginning of the day, the judicial committee will look at all the forms and call in all the people who are part of that um, situation. And they all get to speak and address their concerns. Um, everybody is listened to. Um, it doesn't matter uh, how old they are. Um, they or how well they can, you know, really talk or form 
you know, their point of view, they are patient and they listen. And the Judicial Committee is made up of um, staff and students um, and, you know, they are able to come to a decision and vote uh, democratically on, you know, what they think you know, should come from, you know, any a rule that is broken, you know, sometimes, you know, leaving a mess. Um, I do not know all of the rules <laughs> in kids' schools, so I can't say specifically which one that rule that is broken. But, you know, you can, you know, write up your friend for that. You, you can write yourself up for it. Um, mm. And I think one of the things that is huge for me with this judicial system at the school is that my kids don't have that uh, nagging, you know, I really don't want to call out my friend or, you know, I don't want to admit, you know, that I have done something wrong. It comes very naturally for them to, you know, talk with their friends, you know, hey, I'm going to write you up for this if, you know, you're not stopping it. Um, And then they know that it's going to be addressed the next day. Um, I think when I remember there was a student or a a school meeting member who uh, at another school had been using a book from the library and the bind binding broke. And so she wrote herself up, you know, saying, Hey, you know, what should we do? Should I try to fix it? You know, should I try to raise money, you know, myself to pay to get it redone? You know, so much of it, I'm thinking, Oh, how can I get out of, you know, this accident that I did, you know, and they just stand right. up and this is, um, you know, just part of life is calling out, you know, things that are wrong and admitting when you make a mistake. Um, I think that's pretty huge. Um, That is huge. And I'll jump in here and say that some of the most powerful, influential business people I've ever come across are the ones who immediately stand up and say, I'm sorry, that was a mistake. That's my fault. I apologize. And then we move on with a business plan of some kind. And it's a conversation and it's a back and forth, but it starts off with them saying, I'm so sorry. That was me. That ownership is, there's just so much power in that. And they are some of the most successful. It's something that I noticed over the years working with different businesses, that the ones who aren't busy making excuses or, or shutting down or shutting down the conversation, but the ones who stand up right away and say, that was a mistake. I apologize. How would you, how can we move forward with this together are the most successful. We're talking like multi-million dollar business people, and they all have that in common. That yes. I've come and that's what I find is, you know, one of the beauty, um, it is a beauty to have this type of feature. This is what the backbone of the school is being a democratic school and being run, you know, with a lot of rules and a lot of um, uh, structure, but it kind of comes into self guidance and self, you know, direction through the day and making decisions, you know, pushing the envelope and what happens, you know, the community wants to, um, you know, live in harmony. And this is how they, they make it stay. I love that. I love the age mixing part of it too, because it's just so important. It feels so important to me because outside of um, a traditional school setting or traditional sports setups, you know, like teams and whatnot, we're never really with people who are our exact age. You know, in my mom's group, we have moms at one point, the youngest mom was 21 and the oldest mom was 50 and they have babies the same year. Yeah. 
And they're, they're both moms. They're both awesome. They're both on this journey together and they're both welcome, you know, that we don't have to have this sort of ageism and be like, Oh no, this mom's group is for 30 year olds. (laughs) Cause I can tell you real fast, you're 30, you're not going to be a 30 year old very much longer. And and it is, we are in a society where, you know, I grew up going to school with people who are, you know, who came into the earth, you know, this world at the same time I did. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of things, Mm -hmm. you know, not all of us had a lot in common. We just happened to have birthdays near each other, you know, the same year. But you, right. you kind of gravitate, you know, by those who you have interest with. And um, with age mixing, you know, I used to ask my kids when we first started school, I was like, oh, you know, so-and-so friend, well, how old are they? And we're like, I have no idea how old they are. Um, and they could be a huge, you know, age difference. But that, you know, was not something typical for me, you know, growing up with that, but it gives the younger, um, children at the school, you know, kind of look up to the older and they, they want to do more and they want to, you know, be able to interact with them and they want to know the rules of the game, the card game that they're playing and they, you know, figure it out and they kind of, it kind of pulls them to want to do more and to learn more. And at the same time, um, you know, some students who or people who come over to the school who may be a little older and didn't have that, you know, longer childhood, you know, here's an opportunity for them to go and, you know, push somebody on the swing or be asked um, to, oh, you know, hey, can you, you know, tie my shoe and have somebody need them, want them, you know, think that they're funny and just kind of, you know, kind of get part into the school because they're, they're needed. And it also, you know, helps them you know, kind of set the time aside, you know, help them write up a, a form for JC or to help them look up something or that there's a sign up sheet, you know, to kind of go read it for them. And, you know, it kind of just has them stop and pause and care. And that's where we're getting the empathy and, you know, be a good neighbor, you know, instead of having posters on the wall in the classroom saying, you know, be a good neighbor. They literally practice this at school. All the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that there's actually daily meetings. I love that there's weekly meetings. And I'll say that for us in our house, when we have weekly scheduling meetings, yeah. it makes the schedule a lot less um, scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're not like, here's one meeting for the entire month. And here we go. Instead, we just just constantly check in. And when you have that constant, there isn't a lot of drama around it. There aren't major highs and lows. It's just kind of like a, a neutral check in. I love that. Yeah. And yeah. I love that it's, um, I was just thinking about the meetings, but then the kids, how wonderful, because the stop, pause, care thing that you just said, I'm like, yes, we need more of that in our lives, just in general. And for younger kids to be able to stop, pause and care, and then ask for help, um, and then admire the older kids too, to be around kids who admire people who admire you, Mm -hmm. whether they're older or younger. Wow. I would not look back on my like high school years and be like, yeah, there was a lot of mutual admiration among us. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's just not what we think of. And we think of um, the kind of schooling experience that we had. And, yeah. and then I love that it's, you know, stop, pause and care from the older kids. I mean, what, 
wonderful, gracious daily practice for them. Mm -hmm. It will serve them in hindsight, you know, from like almost 40. In hindsight, I can see where that's really, really, really going to serve them well (laughs) in their adult life. It does. Um, I was reading an article before it was on Google and and what they look for in their employees. And it was saying that STEM um, habits or or what somebody who has gone through a STEM program was not at the high part of who they look for when they're looking for people at their company. They were looking for people who can um, cooperate, who can work as a team, who can, you know, speak eloquently, you know, all these things about, um, you know, working together and being part of a group and, that is what they're looking for in these big companies. It's not necessarily, you know, what you can do. It's important. Science is important. I I went to school um, and studied a lot of science, but it's the, you know, connectivity and being able to work as a group. And like you said, have somebody who can um, admit when a mistake was made and to change it and to, um, you know, lead as an example that way. And some people have called this school like a school for entrepreneurs because all of those traits, you know, have to come through this type of schooling. Um, And they're not just kind of pushed through, you know, to get to the next place or the next school or the next level of education. Um, They want to go to that next level and they find a way to do that. That's incredible. And as a parent and a married person, I can tell you the stop, pause, care is going to get me a lot farther than any sort of AP classes, unless they're AP classes on EI, right? <laughs> just, I, I love that. It just it serves them so well, but so does play. And it sounds like it's something that is probably celebrated at this type of school too. Yes. Yes. Play is huge. Um, the, you know, being able to really jump into your imagination and mm-hmm. um, let's do this type of experiment. What happens if we mix these things together? What, you know, what if we go outside and build this? And um, they really are able to explore and have the resources to do so or to go um, and, you know, be outside all day in the mud, in the rain, you know, jumping in the puddles. We had one, uh, one uh, girl at the school, she had created like a hang glider and she made it and she went up and she climbed up up on the tree that had been fall- had fallen. So this big tree stump and she jumped and she wanted to see, you know, how far it would take her. And, you know, she got to see, you know, she went a little <laughs> further, she landed, it kept going, you know, but having that opportunity to, you know, come up with an idea and go outside and try it and play with it. Um, you know, that's all we want. And that's what we really encourage, you know, our children when they're little to play and we give them all these things to create and use their hands and move. And, um, you know, it doesn't stop at age five, you know, it keeps going. You know, we still do things like like that. We go out with friends and we enjoy time and they're able to do all of those things and keep things going. And again, like we were saying about structure, you know, in play, you know, they create structure, they create, um, you know, different people to play different parts. And, you know, if it's not working well, then maybe that's something that may be written up and go to JC, and then they can talk about changing the rules, you know, if they didn't have that, you know, that 
cooperation and learning to work with other people uh, may not have happened. I love that. And I think you're so spot on that it doesn't end at five. It doesn't end when school begins, when formal school begins. In fact, we're, I dare say, we're kind of taught that it's irresponsible to want to play. And yet it's the thing that we're lusting after as grownups. You know, we're lusting after people's Instagram photos of them adventuring or relaxing or reading a book by the pool. And it's like hashtag goals, you know, and we can do all of those things. We can choose to do all of those things, but we also, I know for myself included, even though, you know, I'm saying all of this, I still have to kind of unlearn it in moments for myself. It's getting easier with practice, but I think sometimes like, oh, I shouldn't sit down and read this book because it's irresponsible. I should be prepping dinner or I should be prepping tomorrow's dinner Mm -hmm. or next week's dinner, or I should be cleaning or I should be doing this or, oh gosh, now I'm feeling guilty about this. And oh crap, I forgot to pay that bill. And, and it's like, no, I can sit down and I can read. Right. But we have to fight against this notion that we can't do these activities because they're considered to be lazy or irresponsible, but actually We've been shown over and over again in our experiences and watching our children's experiences that this play, this stop, pause, care, this slowing down, the age mixing, all of this, these are elements of lifelong learning. And we are indeed lifelong learners. And we're lifelong learners from the beginning all the way to the end. And it never stops. And it sounds like arts and ideas really takes that notion and just maintains it for the child's entire education. It does. It does. I remember I, you know, grew up, you know, knowing I had to, you know, get through high school, go off to college, you know, do a master's. And then, you know, if I don't complete all these things, I'll just be lost and flailing in the world. But what it turned out is that, you know, I finished my schooling and then I did a little bit and then things have shifted and now I've learned other things and the world didn't end now that I'm learning new things in my 40s and taking new courses and changing, you know, my um, career because it's always, I'm always learning something new. I'm always grabbing a new book. I've learned more about history by watching the History Channel with my husband and reading books than I did when it was, you know, given to me in a class, you know, when I was growing up. Absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking about, that all of them, we're fascinated by documentaries, and our family is now, and we watch them together, or we'll watch adaptations of really famous literature, and, and we're just enthralled with it, because we can do it on our own time, because we can learn about it, and, and we don't even feel guilty about it, mm-hmm. you know, we're modeling it for our kids. So that is the notion that I keep telling myself over and over to shed some of that mom guilt around watching the documentaries or sitting down and reading a book is that, you know, I'm modeling reading for my kids. I'm modeling lifelong learning, self-directed education as a mom. Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay for us to be interested in different things, you know, either out of necessity because we need to know more about the Mm two-year-old age. (laughs) And so we study parenting (laughs) or, you know, like I signed up for a watercolor class this May because I'm kind of tired of telling myself I'm not a painter. Well, why not? You know, why not? It's something I'm interested in. It's something I want to learn. So I totally signed up for a class and I could feel guilty about it because of the money or the weekend long time commitment or whatnot, but I don't because it's just part of that lifelong learning process. I know I'm modeling it for my kids and it's really going to fill me up. 
And I, I just, I love it. Oh, that's great. Yes. I, and I enjoy seeing the different things that my children, um, you know, gravitate towards and really um, invest their time and skills into. And then I, I also enjoy, you know, seeing my son and husband and I were watching the series Chernobyl. And my oh. son goes, oh, is that a bust of linen? You know, at, that was a statue there. And it's like, you know who Lennon is, you know? It's not because I taught him or that he took a history class. He, you know, has experienced things and learned things and read things and, you know, is getting this information. Um, and it's not necessarily in a place that is, you know, just force filling, you know, him up. He's finding it out and seeking it and, and enjoying it at the same time. Right. It's just continuing to feed that fire instead of dimming the flame kind of thing. I, I love it. I absolutely am madly in love with this type of education. I appreciate that these options are out there for students and parents. It sounds like in all over the world and really taking responsibility for our education and figuring out what life is about from a very young age. It's, it's just incredible to me. So let's say that a parent is listening to this and they're kind of interested in it, or they're listening to this and they're just on fire with this idea and want to know more about these schools. What advice would you have for them about looking into or pursuing this type of alternative education? Yeah, I would. Um, I mean, if you're interested in, in reading more about it, um, I, I like uh, Dr. Peter Gray. Um, he has a lot of articles. Um, he had a son that went to Sudbury Valley. Um, and Akila Richards um, is also somebody. She has a website called Raising Free People. Um, she cool. also has done um, TED Talks um, on Raising Free People. And, uh, you know, looking up to see if there's a Sudbury school close to you. You know, we have them in 20 uh, uh, states in the U.S. and in 10 countries. Um, you know, start Googling and finding out if there's one close to you. Um, you know, just connecting with one of the schools, asking about it. There also, I know there is a kit for starting one. Um, and I know that, I believe it's called Living Water. Um, Sudbury School in Maryland, that they are even, you know, making some um, classes on how to start your own school. So if this is something that you're interested in, you really want to get in your community, you know, there are ways to do that as well. Um, But a lot of people who are interested in doing that do go and spend time at established schools. And um, and the schools are really welcoming and enjoy when people come. And and of course, they vote on it at school meeting, you know, if the school um, would like you to come and check it out. But they, um, you know, that's a great way to experience it. If you can go to an open house uh, at one of the schools or, you know, take a tour and an interview. It's it's been pretty magical to have this uh, type of school, you know, in our community. I adore open houses and being able to to talk more about it. Um, but I definitely encourage you know checking out, learning more about unschooling and 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 self-directed education and de-schooling. You know, I think that it's been recommended, you know, if you look up de-schooling for people to de-school, I think a month for every year, you know, that your child's been in a traditional school, um, just kind of taking that time to, um, you know, what we're usually, you know, thinking about when we think of education and being successful. 
Right. I'm so glad you brought that up because um, I have personally seen de-schooling just completely transform lives and the direction of a child's education, because if there is a reason that they were pulling them out um, and needing something to change, that de-schooling time actually provides often the perfect transition for them to reignite their flames so that they get excited yeah. and can start taking more responsibility and, and experience that power of lifelong learning. And it's just, it's wonderful. This whole conversation is just fascinating to me. I so appreciate you taking the time to introduce a lot of us to this type of schooling um, to help us understand it and what the process is. And I'm sure that you've gotten at least, actually, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of parents really excited about um, different opportunities, different ideas. And I'm still not over some of the ideas that you shared today. And then for you to share that they have a kit on starting a school. I mean, talk about full circle. Wow. Wow. I love that. And I hope that someone hears this and does it. I mean, (laughs) Maui. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone wants to do it here, you'd have some support for sure. This has been awesome. Austin, thank you so much. I super appreciate you. Oh, thank you, Lori Bath. It was a treat to talk about this. That's it for this episode of Elevating Motherhood. Thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found some insight and inspiration, or maybe a little of both. If you like today's show, please leave a review on iTunes. I use your feedback to plan future shows and cover topics that serve you. You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. Links to those accounts are in the show notes. For more information, including today's show notes, head to elevatingmotherhood.com. That's elevatingmotherhood.com. Thanks again, Mama. I appreciate you.